Welcome to the end of Season 3 of The Soul Salons. Back in Season 1, I did one of my initial episodes on poetry. My material came from a somewhat serendipitous find of a library book called The Oxford Book of English Mystical Verse. It was written in the early 1900s and is an anthology of spiritual and mystical verse from the 10th to the 20th century. I'm going to turn back to that book today and some poems that I particularly liked because I think it's a nice way to end this season and the winter solstice that is upon us as this episode is published. I do know that poetry isn't everyone's thing. Poetry readership has apparently declined substantially over the past few decades, for example, compared to other artistic endeavors. Maybe it's because, like many things today, poetry has become too commercialized or politicized or aims for the sewer versus the sublime. But I still believe that poetry can be transcendent and can capture our spiritual reality. At least it used to do that, and maybe someday it can do so again. I hope so. At the very least, thoughtful poetry can, can invite us to slow down and reflect. The year 2020 has been a tough year for so many, and so beset with anxieties, that I hope this episode will offer something of a haven, if only for a brief time. I'm going to start with a poem by an Indian woman named Sarojini Naidu. Mahatma Gandhi called her the Nightingale of India. She was probably better known as a political figure than a poet, given her active involvement with the Indian independence movement and women's rights, but she also wrote poetry. Here's one of her poems that, despite the world's noise and difficulties, calls us to a place of tranquility. It's titled, In Salutation to the Eternal Peace. Men say the world is full of fear and hate, and all life's ripening harvest fields await the restless sickle of relentless fate. But I, sweet soul, rejoice that I was born, when from the climbing terraces of corn I watch the golden orioles of thy morn. What care I for the world's desire and pride, who know the silver wings that gleam and glide, the homing pigeons of thine eventide? What care I for the world's loud weariness, who dream in twilight granaries thou dost bless, with delicate sheaves of mellow silences? Say, shall I heed dull presages of doom, or dread the rumored loneliness and gloom, the mute and mythic terror of the tomb? For my glad heart is drunk and drenched with thee, O inmost wind of living ecstasy, O intimate essence of eternity. I like how Nadu is content to live in another world or reality that brings her joy. My husband is often encouraging me to do those things that just bring me joy, but I think we learn and grow and develop most by also doing those things that we don't particularly like doing. In her poem, Naidu is seeking a certain silence within, which is also the main idea behind a poem by Evelyn Underhill. I featured her in season two of my podcast. She was one of the most influential spiritual writers in the early part of the 20th century. She researched great, great spiritual pioneers in both the East and the West. Her 500-plus page book on mysticism became an instant bestseller for her time. She ultimately became a poet, radio host, lecturer, and novelist, and published almost 40 books. I feel like she was on her own deep spiritual search, and that she used her writings to explore her own questions. The poem I am about to read, called Introversion, has that questioning quality. What do you seek within, O soul, my brother? What do you seek within? 
I seek a life that shall never die, some haven to win from mortality. What do you find within, O soul, my brother? What do you find within? I find great quiet where no noises come, without the world's din, silence in my home. Whom do you find within, O soul, my brother? Whom do you find within? I find a friend that in secret came, his scarred hands within, he shields a faint flame. What would you do within, O soul, my brother? What would you do within? Bar door and window that none may see, that alone we may be alone, face to face in that flame-lit place, when we first, when first we begin to speak one with another. I like how Underhill asks what her soul, my brother, seeks and finds and does within. To me, it's kind of like she is inviting someone in that she hasn't seen for a long time, and when she is finally alone with her soul, they begin to speak with one another. Maybe this has some extra meaning today when our doors and windows have been barred to the outside world in the time of the plague, as I call it. I'm going to feature a poem now from a third woman writer, which I am happy to do because I'm not able to feature enough women sages. It's not because I don't want to, but because they are so hard to find. Most of the well-known spiritual sages are men. I don't know why that is exactly, because I often think of women as having more spiritual qualities and capacities than men do. I guess that's a sexist thing to say, but so it goes. The woman I am featuring next is Augusta Theodosia Drain. She was an English writer and Roman Catholic nun who was, for the most part, relatively unknown. She lived from 1823 to 1894, but I came across a poem of hers that I really liked. It's called What the Soul Desires. She begins the poem as follows. There is a rapture that my soul desires. There is something that I cannot name. I know not after what my soul aspires, nor guess from whence the restless longing came. But ever ever from my childhood have I felt it, in all things beautiful and all things gay, and ever has its gentle unseen presence fallen like a shadow cloud across my way. It is the melody of all sweet music, in all fair forms it is the hidden grace. In all I love, a something that escapes me, flies my pursuit and ever veils its face. Sister Drain goes on to talk about how she feels this presence in little hints and touches here and there, like in summer beauty and sunsets. In trying to describe it, she says, It is not pain, although the fire consumes me bound up with memories of my happiest years. It steals into my deepest joys, O mystery. It mingles, too, with all my saddest tears. After this introduction, she recounts a time when the veil was briefly lifted for her, or maybe to a Buddhist it would be described as reaching some kind of enlightenment. She says, That lightning flash of joy that seemed eternal, was it indeed but wandering fancy's dream? Ah, surely no. That day the heavens opened, and on my soul there fell a golden gleam. Sister Drain concludes the poem by noting both the gain and loss of that transcendent experience, but she has learned about a hidden love along the way too. As the heart panteth for the water brooks, and seeks the shades whence cooling fountains burst, even so for thee, O Lord, my spirit fainteth, thyself alone hath power to quench its thirst. Give me what then thou gavest, for I seek it, no longer in thy creatures as of old. 
I strive no more to grasp the empty shadow. The secret of my life is found and told. Whether you are religious or not, I believe there is a lot of wisdom in letting go of the empty shadows. This concept reminds me of a passage from the writings of the Baha'i Faith, which is the tradition that is my greatest spiritual heritage. It says, The world is but a show, vain and empty, a mere nothing, bearing the semblance of reality. Set not your affections upon it. Break not the bond that uniteth you with your Creator. I think Sister Drake was trying to convey this same idea in her poem. One theme that has come up a few times in this episode is silence and quiet, and that seems an appropriate symbol for the winter solstice. This period has the longest hours of darkness, at least in some parts of the world, but various spiritual and astrology sites on the web also indicate that it is an important time for renewal and reflection. We've probably all had more of that this year than we may have planned on, That may be a good thing for some of us and maybe made the rest of us a bit nuts. Regardless, the last poem I will share is also about quiet, and in fact, it is is titled Quiet. This poem is from the only man I am featuring today, whose name was John Spencer Muirhead. Like Sister Drain, he was not well known. He was Scottish, born in the late 1800s, and had a long military and legal career. He served in both World War I and World War II, apparently. Maybe, maybe that's why the poem I am about to read feels a bit detached about the world, given the horrors he probably witnessed. There is a flame within me that has stood unmoved, untroubled through a mist of years, knowing nor love nor laughter, hope nor fears, nor foolish throb of ill, nor wine of good. I feel no shadow of the winds that brood, I hear no whisper of a tide that veers, I weave no thought of passion nor of tears, unfettered eye of time of habitude. I know no birth, I know no death that chills, I fear no fate nor fashion, cause or creed. I shall outdream the slumber of the hills, I am the bud, the flower, I the seed, for I do know that in whate'er I see, I am the part, and it the soul of me. It feels to me like Muirhead is distancing himself from the tumult of the world. I picked up a slight tone of resignation, but then again, and like Evelyn Underhill did in her poem, he also focuses on the flame that is his core. And the ending is about a oneness with all things. So perhaps as we head into 2021, we can continue to think about what this past year has revealed, about what is truly important and what isn't. Perhaps, like these poets are advocating, We can surrender the shadows, connect with the quiet, and find the flame within.